everyone. Said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And uh, it's good to be in God's house this morning. And, uh, and it's good to see Jimmy and Beth. And I don't believe I got to meet you here yesterday, sir. But man, glad y'all come yesterday and come again today and bring your children. Thank you so much for coming and being in service with us. It means everything to us this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, man, cousin Chris, and he come in and I seen him kind of sitting back there. And then my mom got a hold of him and just brought him right up to the front. Hallelujah. Thank you for coming, Chris, and being here this morning. That means everything to us once again. And uh, I don't know if you have been upstairs but there's probably more of them up there than there is of us down here and uh, uh, such a great turnout yesterday um, with our outreach if you wasn't here you missed it and so many uh, families coming by and bringing their children uh, it was a great success and also peak uh, man 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 if you uh, wasn't listening uh, by chance to brother Cody Marks um, preaching uh, the Friday night of peak, you missed a message. Uh, Miriam matters, and you matter to God. Promise you that. And so, uh, like the elder said, I am tired. I got in about five o'clock um, Saturday morning and got me just a couple hours of sleep. I had to go pick up a van for next week. And uh, was back up and wound up going to the wrong place and running all over town trying to find the van. And uh, barely got back and was even just a little bit late for outreach. And uh, so, and then trying to finish up uh, my message, Brother Matt. And so it's, uh, you have to bear with me. But I want to come again today and I want to talk about the book of Acts. And uh, a modern day book of Acts church, uh, I want to, I want to, Take your attention to Acts chapter 5. Uh, we will be reading verses 34 and then skipping down and reading verse 38 through 39. But Acts chapter 5 and verse 34. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all of the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, and let it be, and let them be, and let them alone. For this counsel or this work be of men; it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. <clears throat> I want to talk to us just for a little bit this morning on identity crisis. Identity crisis. And uh, we, I believe, are living in an hour and a day that we need the Lord. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but it's still true anyway. Uh, we need God in our world today. We need God in our society. I was talking with uh, Jimmy back there yesterday, and he was telling me, he said, I just had to get out of there. I had to get out from where I was living. It wasn't good. I had to get somewhere else to raise my family because there is a world out there that would like to destroy you and your family and who you are. But thank God for the church. 
Thank God for the house of God. Thank God that you can come here and the safety that said the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous can run into and they are safe. There is a safe place in this world today for you and your family and it's called the church. It's called the house of God. It's called the people of God. And I believe that we are living in a day and a time and a society that there is an identity crisis in our world today. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, Ye are lively stones built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood that offers spiritual sacrifice. Lively stones that have been shaped and formed precisely to fit in a specific place. Lively stones with stones that they would take and they would shape, maybe like a brick or uh, maybe even like a piece of uh, stone today and they would shape this rock and this stone in the foundations and within building and they would put it just in a certain place, Brother Howell, and they would shape it just to fit precisely in that certain spot to make up the building and each with each stone that was done even the the weeping wall that's there today there are stones there and within that weeping wall that was set there that has stood for over 2,000, 3,000 years uh, that have been within that wall that has been precisely put there that has maintained what that wall is today and people go there and they pray there and they and they talk to God there because of these stones that was precisely put there. Can I tell you today, each and every one of you has been carved in specific uh, just for what this world and what we're going through today. You are part of the church not just because by certain circumstance or maybe not uh, all this happened or that happened and I'm here and uh, my grandpa decided to move from the state of New Mexico uh, back almost 50 years ago and and thank God he did because I'm here but it wasn't by accident that all that happened but God was was precisely carving and and working that that precious stone over to to fit in just a certain spot uh, in the little southwest corner of Missouri uh, to put it there to hold and to fit this church and what it means today in the southwest corner of Missouri. Thank God that somebody listened to the voice of God. Thank God somebody said, you know what, I'll heed the call. I'll heed the message. I'll go against everything that I've always been taught. My grandpa, he was not uh, raised in this truth. He was not raised within the church. He, uh, man, he had a guitar and he sung in bars and in taverns and and man, that's that was his life. But there was something about uh, somebody. They they started a little bus ministry there and and Truth of Consequences, New Mexico. And they would come by and they would pick up uh, my dad and my aunt who was on the organ earlier, and they would take him to church to the little country church downtown. And there was something that began to work on my grandpa and he, he'd just say you know mom it's just not right that somebody else is taking their kids to church we we need to go to church with our kids what was going on that was God shaping on that stone how, to put it in that certain spot and there, there was something about it and 
so many years, even before that, even before he met my grandma, my grandpa, he was 10 years older than my grandma, who's still here today, uh, by the way. And you can talk to her and back everything up that I'm talking about this morning. But my grandpa, he was in the army and he went to, uh, he was in the Korean War and they sent him to Fort Leonard Wood for basic training. And they brought him by train back in that day, Brother Adam, all the way up, and I know you've heard this story, all the way up to Fort Leonard Wood out of New Mexico. And he was riding that train, and as he come through these old boot hills of Missouri, and as he come through Racine, and he's traveling on the train, and he's looking out the window, heading to something he didn't understand, and to war, and, and all of that, he looks over, and there's this big white house on the hill. And there's this big red barn standing beside it on, on these luscious hills and green. And if you've been to New Mexico, it's more desert and it's not as green. It's more brown and tans. And, and man, there was something about this old country that caught my grandpa's attention. And as he's riding, he sees this house. And man, that, that image of that white home and the red barn on the side of the hill there, it just stuck in my grandpa's mind just when he was just a young man. And years later, he goes to North Korea, he goes to Korea and he goes fighting the Korean War and he comes back from war and he comes back to his home and man, he got him a little farm on the Rio Grande Valley and he's, he's planting there down by all the Rio Grande and he's, he's planting his crops and he's just living life and, and playing his guitar and singing. And, and, but there's something that begins to happen, that begin to stir on the inside of him uh, as he was there working and uh, uh, and I told you they were bringing my dad and my aunts and them to church and he, he began to attend church a little bit and then the Lord got to dealing with his heart and, and man he started seeking more truth and he wanted more to know about God brother Zach Connery and there was something on the inside of him that was longing for something different than what was going on in his life and so he gets down and he begins to question and, and my Uncle Wilbur, which is Brother Nathaniel Simpson's uh, uh, daddy, he was there and he said, you know, there's a church down in a little southwest corner of Missouri and there's a man that pastors a church down there in the name of, of Jim Triplett. You ought to go down and visit him. I think he's what you've been looking for. He, he's what you've been searching for. And so my Uncle Wilbur and, and that time my grandpa had had a gun accident. He slammed the bolt into a right and it, it fired and it slammed the bolt back and tore the palm out of his hand and so he was kind of down he said well I'll just ride with you and as they climbed in that old car and they headed this way and they come all through the boot hills and as they come up through Racine and they come up 86 and as they turned on Falcon there was that white house with that red barn that Years past, years when my grandpa was just a young man, that frame of that barn and that home was burned into his mind and he never forgot. And here he is, he's looking at this house and this barn and that's where my other grandpa, my grandpa Triplett lived. And he, he was a pastor, a preacher of truth and preacher of righteousness. And so they pulled up to this house and, and man, to get out and this, this, this image was burned forever into my grandpa's mind. If I've ever heard, 
heard that story once. I've, I've, hold it, I've heard it 50 times about my grandpa telling me when he pulled up. And he said, son, there was just something about it when I, when I got out of the car, when I, when I turned onto the road and I seen that home and that barn and, and I'd seen it before in that train. I was smitten from the very, very beginning. What was going on? That was God just, just shaping on that stone to put in just that certain place for a little red-headed boy to come years down the road, the old grandson, to fit it so he would be in the church and be a part of truth and to raise his family in the church. Whoa, come on. I come to tell you today that the devil would like to destroy your identity. He would like to destroy who you are and take you out of the church and take you and put you in a world that would like to destroy you. But God, you're not here by accident to say, sir, you're not here by accident, ma'am. God put you in this house this morning on purpose for lady to let you know that God's working on your heart. God's working on your family. And just let God begin to shape your life to fit you in that Pacific spot to save your family. Where would this little red-headed boy be today if my old grandpa hadn't heeded the call of God calling him out from amongst them? He said, come out from amongst them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. That ain't what I said. That's within your Bible this morning. You gotta come out from amongst them. Your identity depends. Your family depends on you coming out from amongst them. You are important to the plan of God. You are important to the work of God. God has a purpose for your life here this morning. Jimmy, you didn't have to keep living where you was living, but there was something on the inside of you and you said, you know what? I gotta get up out of here. I gotta, I gotta take my family somewhere better. I gotta get somewhere where I can raise my family better. Well, I'm gonna tell you something this morning, sir. You couldn't have picked a better spot in the whole world to come in Southwest Missouri. It's what got me here. My old grandpa, he picked up, uh, he left Missouri, he headed back, uh, and he began to sell everything that he had. He sold the farm and he sold the equipment. He went down to the old tavern and he paid his bar tab off. They said, they said where are you going, Dave? He said, I'm heading to Missouri. I found a church up there and I'm, I'm gonna move up there and start going to church with my family. They all started laughing at him little town of New Mexico. They said, well, Dave, we'll give you three years and you'll be back. And I'm gonna tell you something. Was it easy for my grandpa? No, my grandpa was a farmer. And these, I'm gonna tell you something about these old hills. They just don't do nothing but produce rocks around here. If you don't believe me, go outside and dig a hole. And man, he struggled all, he, he struggled the rest of his life. He never had a lot of money. He never had a lot of things in this world. Matter of fact, when he died, he called my dad in uh, when he was passing away and he said, son, I wanna give you your inheritance. Dad said, okay. And dad done knew there wasn't a lot of money going on there. We didn't know if he was gonna give him some of his old lawnmowers or bicycles he had stored. Didn't know really what was going on. And he said, son, let me tell you what I wanna give you. He said, I wanna give you this whole wide world to make a living in. That's all he had to give him. 
Because he struggled, he 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 just he worked hard all of his life. He was a worker, but he just he, he was out of his element. He he couldn't farm and he couldn't do. But I'm gonna tell you something. I'll tell you what he did give him. He gave him a whole lot more than money. He gave him a whole lot more than material goods. I'll tell you what he he gave him an identity. He gave him an identity this day that he can pass on to me and not just to me but my children and then my children's children. He gave him a place of refuge and of strength. It's called the church. It's called God and the things of God and the ways of God. If you're gonna be a book of Acts church, you gotta know who you are. Peter went on to say in verse nine that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should know and show forth the praises of him that hath called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. You need to realize who you are. You belong to God. What are you talking about, preacher? We are a peculiar people. We are a set apart people. We're not like everybody else. So what are you talking about? We come to church and we magnify the Lord. We praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I don't wanna get caught up in everything that the world has to offer. I wanna get up caught up in what God has to offer. There is a heritage today that we need to pass on to our children. Somewhere along the way that we have left the heritage and there is an identity crisis in this world today. The devil knows that he can't meet you and head on in the fullness of the power of God. He knows that he can't beat you in Sunday morning service or Sunday night service when you're praying with brothers and sisters at church, when you're worshiping and hearing the songs and the preaching, he understands all of that. So instead, he employs an old age trick that he's done for thousands of years. What is that? He tries to rob you of your confidence. Well, what are you talking about, preacher? Oh man, brother, Cody Marks hit on a Friday night at peak that this generation that we're going through, they, Generation Z is the most depressed generation of all times. They are facing depression like never before. Uh, failure, failure, they're still uh, facing this uh, uh, in this generation, um, if you will, of uh, being a failure, of coming up short and, and going through college and just getting through college and can't find a job and spend all this money at college and, and now they're in debt before they even bought their first home or, or bought their first vehicle. Uh, they're 50, 60, $100,000 in debt and oh, and oh, all of this and depression is setting in on every hand. What the, he knows, the devil, it's the devil's tactic uh, to let you know that uh, he, there is no other way that uh, just depression, and so they get on pills, and they and they turn to the pills and the alcohol and whatever it might be to try to fight against this depression. What is it? It's just another tactic of the devil to rob, rob you of your confidence. 
He knows that the only way he can combat the people of God is by robbing them of their identity. What are you talking? It's nothing new. This is nothing new. This is just an old trick from the devil. He did it from the very beginning. The first two people on the earth, Adam and Eve, it was that serpent, the devil, the Bible said, that come to Eve and he began to say, Well, what did he really say? Well, he said we can't eat of none of the fruit here or we can eat all the fruit but this, uh, the tree of of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, and he said the day that we eat of this fruit, we shall surely die. What's the first words out of that old serpent's mouth? He said, you won't surely die. He began to attack the identity of the people of God. He began to attack the identity of who we are and to question God's authority and and to question God's word. And when they ate of the fruit and she didn't die, there was something that turned over in their mind. But you know what the first thing that they realized was? They realized it was about their appearance. They didn't realize that, hey, I I didn't die. I I ate of this fruit and I lived. No, the Bible said that they realized that they was naked. It was their identity. It was who they are. And they begin to grab, the Bible said, they begin to grab fig leaves and, and, and leaves and stuff and begin to try to clothe themselves and when God come down to visit them in the cool of the day and he began to holler, Adam, Adam, the Bible said that he couldn't find them. And when he finally found them, he said, what, what, what's going on here, Adam? What are you doing? He said, well, we hid ourselves. Well, why did you hide from me? He said, well, we knew we was naked. God said, who told you you was naked? There was something going on. It was this identity crisis. And it's been going on through the eons of time. The Bible said when Balak come to Balaam, we all know Balaam. Balaam is the prophet that the donkey spoke to. He wouldn't heed the word of the Lord. And it was in this instance that um, he began to beat his donkey. And because he wouldn't obey his command, but it was Balaam uh, that Balak had come to him and said, hey, I want you to go curse the people of God. I want you to go curse them Israelites. And so Balaam, and he offered him a bunch of money, and so out of greed for money, here went Balaam. He gonna go curse the children of God. And so the Bible said that he rode up there and he began to get out and he looked over, over the children of Israel and the Bible said that he began to open his mouth, Elder Parker, he, to curse the children of Israel. And when he began to speak curses upon them, nothing but blessings come out of his mouth. And the Bible said he shut it down and he tried it again. And he tried to curse them again, Brother Jimbo. And, and once again, when he began to try to curse them, blessings come out again. And time and time again, he tried to curse them for the money that Balak was offering. And so what Balaam couldn't do by prophesying over the children of Israel You can go to the book of Revelations chapter two and verse 14. 
And the Bible said that we, it reveals unto us what Balaam figured out what he could do and what he instructed Balak to do. What are you talking about? He taught Balak to cast stumbling blocks before the children of Israel. He enticed them to eat things, sacrifice to idol gods, and to mix themselves with the Moabites. He began to tell uh, Balak, he said, I'll tell you what you do. God, God ain't gonna allow me to curse you. And you don't find this, but you can find it in the book of Revelations. And you can go back and begin to read what happened right after this incident. And it's true. Uh, the word of God is backed up in the book of Revelations by what happened. He said, I'll tell you what, why don't you destroy their identity, who they are? They are a peculiar people. They're a separated people. And if you can mix their identity, then you have them. You throw enough stumbling blocks before them and stumble them up and trip them up, then you have them. And that's exactly what Balak did. He began to offer them the beautiful wives of Moab. And I come and we just got done with a lesson and teaching on the book of Ruth and Naomi and Ruth. And Ruth was a Moabite. And, but there was something about the Moabite people. They were a people that was, uh, man, they was very wicked in the eyes of God. These were people that could take their babies and they would build this big molten image and they cut out the belly and they had arms and they would literally, if they was losing a battle or if there was a famine in the land and they, uh, rain wasn't there, that they would begin to beat the drums and play this music. And these people, literally moms and dads, would take their children and they would walk up to the arms of this idol God and they would build a huge fire within their belly of this big idol and they would get this thing molten hot. It would be so hot that you could barely get by it and they would literally take their children and go put them in the arms of this idol the Moabites would and this, by this, this would begin to uh, burn this child alive trying to uh, please this God of Moalek and you say man that's sick how in the world could somebody take their child and put it right in the arms of this image why would you ever want to associate with a people like that? And as this child began to scream, they would play this music louder to override the cries of this child that was being burned alive. You can go back and read it. It's in your Bible. It's in your history. You can read about the, the, the people of Moab. They was a sick, sick people. Very sick, very disturbed. But there was something about them that they got to intermingling with the children of God because God was blessing them and so the prophet couldn't curse them and so he began to intermingle just like in this world today. 
What are you talking about, preacher? As crazy and as sick as them Moabites taking them beautiful children and putting in this arms, we're doing it today. They are boarding our babies of America, thousands and thousands by the thousands. I read on Fox News just this week as a dog ran down the street with a sack in its mouth, they heard screaming, and these people run this dog down and receive, retrieve the sack and out of the garbage this dog had dug this sack and a new baby boy was laying within the sack where some mama had this child and just discarded it like garbage and throwed it in the trash we're living in a sick world today we're living in a world that's mixed up and the crisis is in our world we got men that want to look like women and women that want to look like men Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, just help me preach here a little bit this morning. We're living in identity crisis. The devil knows and he's trying to confuse and confound the wise. And he knows, hey, I might not get them to mess up. I might not get them just to walk away from the church and never be a part of the church. But if I can confuse them on who they are and what they are, Say, well, preacher, why does he want to confuse us in our identity? Because the power is in your identity. We read last week in the book of Acts chapter one and verse eight, and ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. If he can mix you up, if you can have an identity crisis of who you are, then he's got you. This is not something new. This is an old tactic. He tried it from the first two people on the earth. He tried it from his chosen people. If I can just confuse their identity and who they are and what they are, then I got to hold on them. But thank God there's a preacher in southwest Missouri that'll stand up and say, come out from amongst them and be ye separate. Saith the Lord. Thank God for a pastor over here that'll stand up and say, touch not the unclean thing. Don't go the way of the heathen. Come out from amongst them. Whatever they're getting involved in, come out from amongst them. Say, well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been involved in. You don't know what I'm involved in right now. I I may not, and I surely don't know, but I come to tell you today, you're not the only person. I can stand people up all over this congregation today that was caught up and doing things, but thank God for the goodness of God. God called them, and God got a hold of their heart, and he called them out of darkness. What are you talking about, preacher? You're not the first person that God called off of a bar stool. You're not the first person that God brought out of the drug houses and out of the addictions of this world and brought you out of pornography and everything that this world has tried to confuse you with. But my God is a loving God. My God is a loving God. (laughs) 
Say, well, preacher, I don't know. I might, I've, I've done too much. Let me tell you about David. Let me give you a little story about King David. David, the Bible said, was a man after God's own heart. David was the man that God chose to come through. When Jesus come to earth, it was through the lineage of David. Can I tell you about David? David was a murderer. David committed murder. David fell in love with another man's wife, slept with her, and then said, you know what I gotta do? I gotta kill her husband. It's in the word of God. If you believe the Bible, it's part of the book. And so what did he do? David went and killed her husband. David's kids was a wreck. David's kids tried to kill and did kill one another. His own kids tried to kill him. They ran dead all through the hills trying to, trying to kill him and stone him and stab him. David's house was a train wreck, if you will. We're not perfect. God's not looking for this perfect vessel to use. But God's you're looking for this imperfected vessel that he can make perfect. God never went around and looked. You don't see him going to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Who was they? They was the keepers of the law. They were the men. They were the pastors and the preachers, if you will, of this day. They read on the, that stood on the corner and in the temple and the synagogues and read the word of God. When Jesus picked his 12 disciples, you didn't go see him go picking out of the scribes and the Pharisees, the keepers of the law. You know who he went and picked? He went and picked the tax collectors. He went and picked the IRS agents. There ain't, nobody, there, ain't no, there ain't nobody more crooked in this world than an IRS agent, I think. <laughs> they, they want everything you own and then say, and the doghouse and the cat and man, them assessors, they drive up to my house, I get scared, I wanna go hide everything I got. They just sit out there, seem like for hours, writing down everything I own. Woo, come on. He went and got the fishermen. He went and got the rough men, if you will, sorry, on the rough side of the street. He wasn't looking for the perfect vessels. He was looking for the imperfect vessels that he could make perfect. The Bible said we're all sinners saved by grace. We're all born in sin and shaping in iniquity. But thank God for the love of God that he found us. And he said, you know what? I'm not looking at you for what you are, but I'm looking at you for what you could be. Say, well, preacher, I don't know. Oh, man, hey, there's, there could be, you could be the next Peter in here this morning. Oh, I know Peter had trouble too. He had a bad temper. Peter got mad, whipped out a sword, and cut a guy's ear off. And you know what? He didn't care that the Lord of glory was standing right there beside him. He got mad. He had a temper. But you know what? God looked inside of Peter, and he's seen his imperfections. He knew Peter. He knew Peter. He knew Peter was going to stand in front of a group of people, and they said, ain't you a follower of Christ? 
Ain't you one of his disciples? No, I'm not one of his disciples. Oh, yeah, you're one of his. No, I'm not. Well, your speech, you even talk like one of them. Ooh, that's your identity. How did they know him? They knew him by his identity. By the way, he talked. We covered last week, King Felix, when Apostle Paul was standing before him, he said, I know the way you speak. I know the way you look. Why? Because he said, I know when I begin to persecute them, I can find them over the way they look. They look a certain way. I'm going to cover this and go. That's why we dress a certain way. That's why we look a certain way. That's why we dress a certain way. Because we want them, this world to identify us as a child of God. I want them to look at me and say, there's something different about you. What is it? Oh man, it's this Holy Ghost on the inside of me. I've got the Holy Ghost and I've got power now, but I've got the Holy Ghost. Man, I want what you got. I gotta have what you have. What? I wanna be a part of your identity. And the Bible said he began to curse and cuss. What was he doing? He was trying to change his identity. Oh, you're one of them. You talk like one of them. Oh, I do. And just started cussing, cursing. This is nothing new, church. He's trying to attack our identity today in this world. Let me go on. Man, I could, I could stay here for hours. Aaron's rod. Let's talk about Aaron's rod. Saul, King Saul and his backslidden state lost the Ark of the Covenant in battle. When the Ark was finally returned, the scripture is very pacific about the fact that it was plundered. Somebody had dug in and got at the things out of the Ark of the Covenant. There was things that Moses had put in the Ark of the Covenant that was there for a reason. What are you talking about? Of the items that Moses placed within the ark, only the law remained. The thieves, they ventured into the ark of the covenant and they stole the golden vessels of manna and Aaron's budded rod that had been placed there by Moses. First Kings chapter eight and verse nine tells us that when the ark of the covenant was brought into Solomon's temple, there was nothing left in it but the law of God. The Ten Commandments. What are you talking about? I believe the two missing things. The manna is the provision. The devil stole the provision. He didn't care about the law. He did care about it, but he, he left the law because he said, you know, if I can get the provision, and then if I can get the buttered rod, which is the identity. Of the people of God. What are you talking about? Once a year, the high priest, he would enter into the Holy of Holies to apply the blood of atonement to the mercy seat. And on that day, when mortal flesh walked into the presence of that holy God, he was allowed to be there and live by the virtue and the lineage of Aaron. Study your Bible. I promise you, it's in there. And so when they would come before an, an, an imperfect person, only perfect by the blood of sacrifice and of God. He was allowed to walk in there 
by the provision of Aaron, which was this rod. And when they put it in there, this old staff, it would be like a cane, if you will, just an old cane somebody walks with. It was old, it was hewn, it had been down, it was dry and, and made for a walking stick. But God wanted them to know that you are my people. And when they put that rod, the, the Bible said that rod, that, that staff, it budded. Just like the springtime when our trees and they, they go through the hard winter and the sap begins to come back up in the trees and they begin to spring forth their leaves and budded. That's what this rod that was cut out that I was walking with. I'll say, man, oh, brother, Caleb, that's kind of crazy. It happened. What are you talking about? What do you mean? It's in that book. I believe this book. This book is not just another fairy tale. This word of God happened. That butter rod contained in the Ark of the Covenant was the passport into the presence of God. It was by that rod that he could claim the right to walk in to the Shekinah glory of God. And when they stole that buttered rod, hell endeavored to use that knowledge to instill doubt in the minds and the hearts of his people. His identity, his authority, his right of passage to God was taken. And there was a question in their mind, God, can we walk into your presence? Can we walk in into your will? I'm going to tell you something the devil would like to tell you. You've done too much. You've gone too far. His mercy won't never catch you. I come to here to tell you today that the devil's a liar. You ain't done too much. You ain't gone too far. That God's mercy can't find you. What are you talking about? It did find you. And that's why you're in the house of God this morning. Because it was by the love and the mercies of God that he let you know, hey, even though you might not be worthy, I still find you worthy. He wants to change your identity this morning. Not what you are, but what you could be in this house today. What are you talking about? He's still playing. Hell's still playing the same old game. He's still playing the same old tune. But I come to tell you today, we have a right to the promises of God. This heritage, this is our identity. It's our heritage. It's been passed to us. Say, well, preacher, none of my family's been in the church. You could be the start of something great. You know how it's your heritage? It was by Jesus Christ dying on the cross and shedding his blood for you and your family. And you could start from here. It could be your, your son, your grandson saying, hey, I'm second generation. I'm third generation saved. Why? Because my mom and dad made a decision one day to walk down to an altar and find a place of prayer. What are you talking about? I'm trying to hurry this morning. Even Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when he was, Jesus Christ was God manifested in the flesh. He wasn't just another person within the Trinity, but he was Jesus Christ, God manifested in the flesh. What are you talking about? The scripture, it, under, it, 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 it uncovers some things within this word. What are you talking about? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8 tells us that the princes of this world didn't understand the wisdom of God. For, it goes on to say, for if they had understood it, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. What are you talking about? Even the devil didn't fully understand who Jesus Christ was. And so, he didn't understand that it was Emmanuel being interpreted God with us. They didn't understand that. The devil didn't understand it. So, what did he try to do? Well, he took him right before his ministry started. He took him up on this pinnacle. And he took him up on this hill. And he started attacking the identity of who Jesus Christ was. Preacher, what are you talking about? Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3. The Bible says he launches his best efforts of trying to shake up Jesus Christ and his identity. And he said, if thou be the son of God, if you be who you say you are, what is it? He's starting to mess with the identity of Jesus Christ. He tried to started trying to undermine who Jesus really was. And if you are who you say you are, then turn this rock, this stone into bread. Cast yourself down from the pinnacle. He said, why? Because he he knew if he could rob Jesus Christ, not really knowing that he was God manifested in the flesh, if he could rob him of, of his identity, he could rob him of his effectiveness. No different here today. If the devil can rob you of your identity, he can rob you of your effectiveness of this world today. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm going to tell you. You know how your family's going to be saved? It's through you. It's through somebody. You know how your friends and co-workers is going to be saved? It's through you. It's through somebody. Why? You're his hands. The Bible said you're his feet. You're part of the body of Christ. And how they know, it's going to be through you. What are you talking about? Your co-workers, you're working beside them. And man, they're telling their stories. Oh man, you should have been at this party last night. You should have been with He said, oh man, you should have been with me last night at church. We had a powerful move of the Holy Ghost. Oh, you did really? What happened? What happened? I'm going to tell you something. Man, people's hearts and lives was changed. Minds was set free from the addictions and the sins of this world. People was healed. People was healed. I'm going to tell you something here today. Jesus Christ is not going to come back to earth and walk through earth again and witness and bring and heal people. You know how he's going to do it? He's going to do it through you. When Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to call this bride out of here. And if you don't know who, really, uh, who you really are, you're going to lose your effectiveness of winning your brothers and your sisters and moms and dads and grandma and grandpas and co-workers and family and friends to God. What are you talking about? You look around. Do you ever remember living in a time in society where it was so messed up?
I know this is not the most popular message in the world today, but I come to tell you, it's a message that needs to be preached to this, this society and this generation today. What are you talking about? We literally have litter boxes in our schools. I'm not telling you something stupid or something. I'm telling you truth today. In southwest Missouri, in this little town, I'm not talking about New York. I'm not talking about Los Angeles. I'm not talking about Chicago. I'm talking about Seneca, Missouri. Where it ain't even big enough to have a Walmart. And you can walk into the bathroom and there's a litter box in the bathroom. Why? Because some kid identifies as an animal. And when he goes to the bathroom, he goes in there and uses it in a litter box just like a cat or a dog or some kind of animal would. What are you talking about? I'm going to tell you something today. The devil is working overtime to shake up the identity of the church. The identity of who we are and what we are. Why? Because our power, it is within our identity. When you know who you are and what you are, the devil knows he don't have a chance to shake you or rock your boat. Brother Zach, when he comes by with that little marijuana joint and he said, man, why don't you take a little puff of this, which we all know, and it's called the gateway drug. It's just the gateway of all the other drugs that come along. There's a reason why that we're, that, that the devil is making sure that we're going to, we're going to okay and pass the legalization of marijuana. Because he knows if I can get the young people, if I can get the people of this world hooked on marijuana, and then here comes uh, the pills, uh, and, and then here comes the methamphetamines, uh, and then here comes the crack cocaine, and, and here comes everything else. What do you t- I work people every day in my employment, and that's how it all started, with one, just one little puff off a marijuana joint. And then the next thing you know, that wasn't enough, and then they're lacing it with something. What are you talking about? I can stand people up and I wouldn't embarrass nobody that come from that lifestyle that's in this church today. And that's how it all got started. Just one little sip of alcohol. Man, we're around a bunch of your buddies and saying, oh man, just, just take a little sip. Have a drink. It ain't gonna hurt you. Oh man, it's just, it's kind of more like a, uh, kind of like a Kool-Aid, if you will. It's more like a, uh, man, just like a, a lemonade. It's just spiked with a little bit. And the next thing you know, I, it, it's just a little Kool-Aid, lemonade and you take a drink and then the next thing you know uh, man you're walking out of the store uh, years later uh, with a fifth of whiskey in your hand and you said my God how did I get myself here the drunk is sitting on the bar stool said my God how did I get here how did I find myself in this cause somewhere along the day on the way ma'am sir you lost your identity of who you are you lost your way to the house of God you lost your way to the altar and saying God forgive me 
You know why you need to come to the altar and you know why you need to kneel at the altar. It's because you need to humble yourself before a mighty God and say, God, in my imperfections, I'm not worthy, but I know that you love me and I want you to know, God, that I love you. And if I ever make it, if I ever say that, it's going to be because of you. And the devil, he's shaking this world with its identity. Elder Marks hit on something Friday night, and man, it's detrimental. And the elder hit it on Wednesday night. I heard somebody take this same text and heard it and preach that Jesus Christ himself was tempted with suicide. From this very text that I just read from you tonight, be the son of God, why don't you cast yourself down? I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ never even contemplated one time about suicide. That's just another sugar stick and candy stick that this world that the devil is trying to implement. You know that teen suicide is at an all-time high. Our young people are so depressed. What are you talking about? I talk to young people. I counsel young people every day. I see their posts on social media. They post on social media. My life, uh, uh, I'm a failure. My life's a failure. I'm a failure. Uh, and the man, I post on Brother Ben, and I get on there, and I try to encourage him. I try to uplift him. I try to tell them Why? Because the devil is attacking the identity of this world today. He's attacking our youth today. Why? And they're going in. They're taking guns and they're blowing their brains out. They're taking ropes and they're hanging themselves with. They're taking pills and they're overdosing with. Why? Because it's an identity crisis. Because they're feeling like a failure. You know why they're feeling like a failure? Because some of us, being childs of God, we've lost our identity and our effectiveness. And we're scared to witness Brother Hal, we're scared to talk to him. We're scared to let him know that there's a better way. You don't have to go that way, son. You don't have to do that. You don't have to take them drugs. You're not a failure. Yeah, that's just the devil whispering in your ear. Let me tell you who you are. You're a child of God. You're a king's kid. God loves you. There's power in who you are. You just got to realize it. And the devil... He's lying to us and he's sowing his lies and his deceitfulness and every day they're walking out elder and they're killing themselves. Having surgeries, changing themselves from men to women and women to men. Why? They don't know. They're just kids. They're going, their hormones is running rampant in their bodies and they don't understand what's going on with inside of them. Instead of some uh, man or woman coming up to them and telling them, no, honey, let me tell you, you're a man. God didn't get mixed up when he made you, sir. God did get mixed up when he made you, ma'am. He didn't put a woman in a man's body. It's truth anyway. That's our problem. We're too quiet about it. 
And they're fighting all of this stuff going on. And you know what we're doing? We're being quiet. We've got our mouths shut. We're not speaking up. And you know what you need to be doing? You need to be getting on there and just as vocal and as loud as them liberals are, letting your kids know that they can cut themselves up and make women out of themselves and men out of themselves. You need to be on there looking at them and saying, no, no, no. Let me tell you something, son. You're a man. And God loves you for who you are. And God loves you for who he made you exactly the way he wanted you to be. It's up to you, Dad. It's up to you, Mom, to make a lady out of that that girl. It's up to you, Dad, to make a man out of that boy. But you know what we do? And I'm gonna tell you, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I'm talking to myself right now, Brother Ryan. We need to put them stupid cell phones down and pick up a fishing pole or a bat or a ball and get out of the yard. Them stinking cell phones, you're right, mama. They're dragging us all to hell and they're dragging our babies to hell with them because we won't get off of that cell phone. You can walk, walk in today. You leave this place today and walk into any restaurant in Joplin or Neosho today after church and you walk in there and there'll be beautiful families sitting at the table and mama's on the phone and daddy's on the phone and kids is on the phone. And nobody's talking to one another. They're talking with somebody from over in, in Europe and Asia and, and, and wherever, Russia, and they're not even talking to mom and dad across the table. You had no idea what your kids was going through. I'm gonna tell you something today. I might not be the most popular preacher in town, but I come to tell you, I'm gonna preach you truth this morning. You know what COVID unleashed on this world? Brother Brett, if COVID didn't do anything else, I'll tell you what it did. It exposed what our kids was learning in school. We had no idea as a parent what our children was learning in a public school system and colleges until they sent that, home, that work home because they couldn't go to the schools and the universities to learn. And our, kid, or our parents was like, oh my God, our kids is learning this? Teaching your kids, and I'm not trying to get graphic, but I'm going to tell you, that world's graphic. Teaching your 12 and 13-year-old kids how to put a condom on a cucumber. Oh, preacher, this is an adult class here this morning. I come to tell you, we can be quiet, and we can, we can drown it down and be quiet. And that whole time, that world is out there, them teachers and them universities, they're shoving it. Oh, son, you're a woman. You're not a man. You're a woman. You're a woman. And they're teaching our kids about the, the birds and the bees and the talks of this world. That's something that should be a parent, should be teaching them, a dad. Should, but you know why they're doing it? Because the dads and the moms got their nose stuck in a cell phone or or an iPad and they're not communicating with their children. They don't know what their children is going through. You've lost your identity. Moms, you need to get outside. You need to grab that young lady and take that young girl shopping. You need to show her what girls look like and what girls dress like. 
I'm telling you, it's nothing new. It's an old trick. It's just coming in a different way, in a different form. Why? He's trying to destroy the identity of the church. He's trying to destroy the identity of a child of God and the people of God. You want a modern day book of Acts church that we've been teaching about for the last two and three weeks around here? It's going to be in your identity. It's going to be more than coming in and shouting and worshiping and hearing the beautiful songs. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not talking about that. I thank God for our song leaders and instrument players. I I tell you what, but it's going to be in your identity. It's going to be in your power that God has given you. He's given you power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Well, no, we're we're too busy. Statistics come out, Elder, that we are the most socialized people in ever in history. Man, we communicate the most. We communicate with everybody, but we're not communicating within ourselves and within our families. You know how you you, you know how you uh, you want your kid to know something. You teach it. I'm going to tell you something. It didn't take very long, Chris, to know that when it was Caleb, but when it was William Caleb, I was stopping what I was doing. (laughs) When that full name come out there, I knew business was picking up. Why? Because they was teaching me something. We let our kids run rampant today. Do what you wanted to. Go where you want to go. Say what you want to say. Hang around who you want to hang around with. I'm going to tell you something, dads and moms. There's some people your kids don't need to be hanging around. Well, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to go and I'm going to hit on it and I'm going to run. But I'm going to tell you something. If they're changing you, and it's okay. That's how you win people. That's how you help people. That's how you show people love and compassion and get them and and help them in in different. But I'm going to tell you something. If they're not coming to church with you, and if their lifestyle's not changing, but your lifestyle's changing and conforming to what they're doing, it's time you get away from them. They got more influence on you than you do on them. If you're the one taking the sip of Kool-Aid, if you're the one taking the sip uh, or taking a puff or, or popping a pill, then you need to get away from them. Why? Because you're losing your identity. You're losing your effectiveness. You're losing your power of who you are and what you are. What are you? You're a king's kid. You're a child of God. What are you talking about, preacher? God's only got one plan, church. God's only got one plan. What is that? That's the house of God. That's the ways of God. What are you talking about? And I know we got a deal set up here. It's for, it's for funerals. It's for uh, graduations and uh, different things. But that's why we're not going to video our services. You know why? Because people want to sit at home and they won't come to church. 
oh, is that a sin? I'm not saying it's so much a sin. I'm not saying that's a sin, but when you lose, when you don't want to be around, you know how the Bible said iron sharpeneth iron. You know how I'm going to get strong, Brother Winkler? That's when I come to church, and me and you, we're praying together. And I hear you pray, and man, I see you. And even though I know you might be going through struggles or trials, Brother Tony, and, and man, them addictions come by, and then you're warring them off. And you come by and you say, hey, Brother Caleb, the only way I'm going to make it is if I come to church and be faithful to church. And, and you say, man, I might not be perfect, but I'm strong and get better I'm gonna and you know what and I hear his testimony and I, I know he's struggling but he's making it and, and, and she's struggling but she's making it you know what that makes me want to do when I hit a little bump in the road and I struggle and I make it I said well so and so they kept coming to church they kept being faithful I'm gonna keep being faithful I'm gonna keep coming I'm gonna but the devil, if he can get you to sit on your couch uh, and sit on your seat uh, and watch it from an iPad uh, or, or some television or computer set and you're not coming uh, and all you're seeing uh, is just kind of what's going on, uh, I'm telling you, you're missing that connection. And it ain't very long. Then you're not tuned in. You're over on Facebook. You might just have it playing in the background. You just might be hearing the preaching in the background. But you're surfing on Facebook. What are we doing? We're losing our identity. If he can contort and mess up the identity, he's messing up the, the effectiveness of the church. What are you talking about, preacher? We are the church. We're appointed for this hour. We're not here by accident. We're not here. We just didn't happen in here. We just, we just didn't come here. But we're that lively stone elder that's been shaped. We're in this for such a time as this. We've been made for this moment. We've been made for this hour. And it's up to us dads. It's up to us moms. It's up to us grandmas and grandpas and sirs and ma'ams, men's and ladies to make sure that we don't lose our identity, the way we dress, the way we look, the way we act, the way we talk, the way we worship, the way we pray, the way we preach. It's our identity. It's who we are. It's what we are. As they come to the music, I'm almost done. Don't never come in and ask me to dumb down a service. Don't never come in and say, well, man, can you keep it on a lower key tonight? Can you keep it down tonight? Can you just relax it just a little bit? No, sir, no, ma'am. It's our worship. It's who we are. That's what apostolics do. We come to lift up the name of all things and the king of all kings. Don't come and ask me, Brother Zach, and I know you won't, but don't come and say, hey, can we just change this little part of the way we dress and the way we look? No, sir, no, ma'am. It's our identity. This is what gives me my power. This is what gives me the authority over the devils. 
What are you talking about? He said he hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. He's gave you the spirit of authority. He's gave you the spirit to overcome every fiery dart of the wicked, everything that the devil tries to throw at us. We can combat it. Why? By putting on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand in that evil day. I'll tell you something, the day and hour that we live, it's evil, it's corrupt. We talked about some of it, we just brushed some of it, and we might get into more of it next week. I don't know, whatever the Lord permits. But I come to tell you today, this is who we are, and this is what we are, and this is what we're gonna be. If we're not careful, we get caught up in the hype. We want to change this, change the way we sing, change the way we worship. Oh, we don't like them old songs of Zion. We need, and I know the Bible says, oh, praise him and sing unto him new song. I understand that. And some of them are great, but I'm going to tell you something. Take me back. Take me back to some of them old songs that was written under distress, written under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, written under the trials and the circumstances that they went through but it didn't stop them from picking up them old pens and say hey I'm covered covered by the blood washed in his spirit oh I come to tell you today it's our power it's our identity it's who we are we're not careful say well preacher I think we need to change a little of this Oh, that, that, that little deal real, it won't hurt. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is. No, I'm gonna tell you something. It's who we are. And when we lose our authority and our identity, then we go trying to chase all the hype that this world tries to offer and the things that the world tries to offer. I'll tell you what. As the one said, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. This is who we are. This was put in me as a child. And I'm not just going to stick with it. I'm not going to deviate. I'm not going to stray away. Why? I've seen it work. It's worked for 40, 39 years. You know what I like, Brother Simeon? I like when we have a camp meeting. Oh, and man, they heard about the signs and the wonders happening on in the church. I remember when they got a lady and they flew her all the way over from India because she needed prayer and they come walking into camp meeting. Why? Because they had heard about the miracles and the signs and wonders going on at our camp meetings. Why? It was in our identity. It was who we are. I'm gonna tell you something. You want the power of the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. You want signs and wonders in your church. It's in your identity. It's the way you look. It's the way you act. It's the way you dress. It's the way you worship. It's the way you pray. And he knows if he can mess with all that and distort all that, you begin to lose your authority. Brother Cameron, I still like praying for families that can't have children and God blessing them with a beautiful baby. 
Why? Because somebody was praying. Somebody got a hold of the mind. And I, I, I'm not talking about just me. I'm, not ta- I'm just talking about this church in general. We're binding together and we're praying and we're coming together in unity and one mind and one accord. And we're still seeing signs and wonders happen. And if we ain't careful, we'll give all of that up. Oh, for what this world has to offer. We'll give all that up to be cool, to fit in, to to look apart, to not be different. I'm gonna tell you today, my Bible still said we're a peculiar people. We're not like everybody else. Oh, we don't act like everybody else. Oh, come on, we don't talk like everybody else. Them curse words, they're just another word that Hollywood likes to use in their movie, but that word, it might be to them just an old byword, but that name, that to me, it's a precious name. It's a name with authority. It's a name with power. It's a name that I can call on and God can hear me in the time of trouble. I'm not interested in watering down the message. I'm not interested in going back on what I've been taught. Not interested. I'm not interested and watering down the word. Well, preacher, I've, I've invited somebody. Church, could you, could you not, could you not scream so loud when you preach? And could you not jump and run and shout? Could you kind of say, no, uh, no, 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 I can't. You know why? Because they might come back. And when they come back, you know what? They might just come in to a fiery, hot, red, hot message service and they say, where was that at the first time? You don't know what I needed the first time. I'm going to tell you something, church. This is who we are. We're apostolic. We're apostolic in doctrine. We're Pentecostal in experience. We're a book of Acts church. What's a book of Acts church? Peter said... In the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, he said, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? And Peter stood up with the 11 and he said, you got to repent. Repent of what? Repent of your sins. That's what he said. What do we do to be saved? You got to repent. It didn't say if you think about it, if you want to do it, that's in your Bible. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. He said, you got to repent of your sins. And you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And Acts chapter 1, verse 8 said, And after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. Say, well, preacher, it ain't happened to me yet. My grandpa... He did it for three and a half years. He was faithful for three and a half years. Three and a half years, he made his way to the altar every time he had the opportunity. Whatever they told him to do, he did. Three and a half years later, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Maybe God's just wanting to see some commitment out of you. Talking to somebody in this house today. Don't lose your identity. Don't get caught up in this world. Don't get caught up because the world's doing it and they're doing it and they're allowing it and their kids is doing it. And so, man, I don't want to be odd. I don't want to be different. 
I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to let my kid use the litter box. I ain't going to let him come in meowing like a cat. I ain't going to let my boys come in talking like a woman. It's up to us, church. You want power in your life? You want power in your family? You want authority in your life? You want authority in your family? Find your identity. Where do we find that? You're at the right place at the right time. Right here at the house of God, right here at these altars this morning. As they begin to play something softly today, sing something. Could I invite you to come down to this altar today? And find your your authority, your identity this morning. I don't care if you've been in the church for 50 years, 60. I don't care if you've been in it five years, 10. I don't care if you've been in it six months. None of us is exempt today. God, make me into the man you want me to be. Make me into the woman you want me to be. God, I'm not perfect. Oh.